Sup folks, so we're moving back into part two of our pop culture over pizza. So now I'm going to be going into the NBA, going to basketball. Now getting into NBA, because I, as I said earlier in my intro, I'm really into the NBA. That's, you know, one of my, you know, most favorite topics to discuss. In regards to basketball, there's a lot of speculation that Kevin Durant, who's now in, you know, the Warriors... He may be next year's NBA MVP, this year's being James Harden. Now, as we approach the upcoming basketball season, you know, we're already discussing who's going to be, you know, in the spotlight, who's going to do this, who's going to do that. Mm -hmm. Now, we're thinking, well, not me, but the public's thinking that KD is going to be the 2019 NBA MVP. What do y'all have to say about that, guys? I mean, Walt, what do you think about that? Well, listen, KD is a singular talent. I mean, you, you're looking at a guy that's seven foot, what is he, seven foot one, seven foot? He's a Wookiee. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> freakishly tall, but his handle is off the hook. I mean, you look at the last two years, and this is a guy that does it all. Last two years, mm-hmm. 2016, 25 points, eight rebounds, almost five assists. Dang. 2017, 26 points. Seven rebounds, five and a half assists. I mean, the guy is a little bit of everything, and I haven't even talked about you know his blocking ability. <laughs> he's he's really really good. The problem that I have is that he's on a team that's just stockpiled with talent. <laughs> I wonder if he's gonna get the ball enough because if you put him on another team, he's an MVP almost every year. That is true. Mm-hmm. But now you're looking at a team that already has Steph Curry. You've got Christian Thompson, Iguodala. Um, Iguodala. You. They added. Um. Who's the guy that they Cousins. just added? Cur- uh, yeah, Cousins. I mean, that team is the Justice League. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're, you're talking about. You potentially have at least three or four Hall of Famers on that team, and they're all starting. That's the dream team is, in the NBA. Yeah. Is there enough ball for KD to get his moment where he can say, you know what, I'm lifting up the MVP award at the end of the year? The guys. The guy is instant Hall of Famer. To me, he's first ballot. I just don't know if he can do it this year just because of the amount of talent that's on the on the team. Right. There's not enough ball to go around, you know. And listen, things things could be crazy, you know. He could he could be the guy that they funneled their offense through. He's certainly capable of doing it, you know. Throw him down in the blocks, you know, and and see what happens. But He's deserving of an MVP. I just can't see how he can do it just because of the amount of talent on that team. I concur. What do you think? I, well, first off, I kind of want to reference what I think of Kevin Durant as a player. And I, I got to piggyback a little bit on what Walter said. He's he basically just, a freak of nature. And he just turned 30. Right. And so, so he's like right there in the center of where his prime is right yep. now, basically. Maybe a little bit towards the, the tail end slightly. Which is scary. But he's also a, a singular talent. And he's a freak of nature. He, to me, KD is, to basketball, what Michael Phelps is to swimming. Michael Phelps wow. was, was prototypical. He's a prototypical swimmer, though. You look at Michael Phelps, he's got a broad back, he's got a huge wingspan, he's like all torso and tiny legs. Like, he's, he's built to be, like, pretty much the best Olympic swimmer of all time. Kevin Durant is similar. He could take any of us with his, with his wingspan and, like, pick us up from head to toe. And we're not small guys here. Some of us are 6'3", like 6'2". 
he could easily like palm us with both hands and just squash us. This guy is huge. He's like the to, Eagles. Just to give, yes. Just to give his stats, the guy is six nine. He's two forty. And speaking about his wingspan. That wingspan is seven foot five inches so you across. You can take an NBA center and like Dude spread wears his a arms size out. Eighteen, Mister Fantastic. He's like he's like Mister Fantastic. Yeah, he's a prototypical basketball player. Every limb is Freaking long. Nature. He's he's tall, but he's fast. He's he's still relatively strong, even though he's skinny. He's agile. And, and here's for, the thing. for a guy that big to be able to handle the ball as well as he does. Right. You know, that that's just it's amazing, you know. I wonder sometimes though because here's why for me he doesn't get mentioned as the best player in basketball. Everybody always talking about LeBron James, LeBron James, He's LeBron James, timid. LeBron James, LeBron James. That's part of it. It's the timidity, but but not only that. When you say Kevin Durant is a prototypical basketball player, LeBron James isn't the way, in the way that Kevin Durant is. LeBron James LeBron gets James his a, ability. He's a man child. He's He works really, really well, hard, anyway. though. He trains harder than just about anybody in the NBA. And almost any NBA player will say that. solid, man. Okay? So, yeah, he's a, he's a big dude, but he's still not as prototypical as Kevin Durant. And to me, I've always kind of begged the question, if Durant... I don't know what Durant's work ethic is. I don't think it's the same as LeBron James. I feel like he would, like nobody would even know who LeBron James is if Kevin Durant was working that damn hard year in and year out to improve himself as a basketball player. It's just too easy for Kevin Durant. But I, I, I think that's a little unfair to Kevin because who really does have LeBron James' work ethic? Not, not. It makes I, a difference there's, there's, to me. To no, me. I, I know, but the it, hardest working guy in the game is going to be one of the better game, better I, better players in the game. But that that, that speaks a lot. We shouldn't hold him to that standard because he's probably working just as hard. I mean, if he's an NBA player, you got to work hard to get to that that level. And then the way he plays, you know, there's got to be some work involved to that. So maybe he doesn't work as hard as LeBron. But really, who does? LeBron, <laughs> LeBron is, is just cycle, head and man. shoulders above everybody in terms, in terms of that. You know? But so, the reason I mention that, I just want to say, is the reason I mention that is why, is because I think that the two of them are kind of going to affect each other when it comes to this race. Because you look at LeBron going to a team like the Lakers, which is going to need a lot of help. And if he's able to I turn that understand. team into a... Nobody understands it. But if he's able to turn that team into something successful... Then, then nobody's going to talk about Durant in that conversation. For all I know, he is the team. Right, I mean, he really is. Yeah. So if he's able to make them, take them anywhere, then people are going to look at that and be like, you took a team that doesn't really have much and took it to the playoffs You're or talking whatever about it is. about LeBron? I'm talking about LeBron James here. So but he's really done that depends already. on how, he's done that already, he's and that's true. Cleveland but if you've done it again with the Lakers, and you have Durant on, like you said, a super team where he kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Durant I is, think that affects it a little bit. See, Durant's never going to get the love because of the fact that he's on a super team. Mm-hmm. Okay? So not to get sidetracked. LeBron has been on super teams too. He has, but LeBron's never going to get the love because he can't win the championships because of Golden State. So yep. because you look, you look at this, if you look at his, how his career has transpired, LeBron James. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at his two stints in Cleveland. Those teams weren't worth a dime, nope. you know? And, and you look at and it, the other day, I think it was, uh, I forget who it was. He tweeted out, oh, well, we were in the playoffs before. We'll be there again. Sorry, Cleveland. You're, for, you're in for a rude awakening because <laughs> LeBron James was the team. Everybody else was just 
you know, periphery around him. Featuring Kevin Love. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That team Basically. ain't going nowhere. I have more faith in the Lakers making the playoffs than I do Cleveland making the playoffs. Why? Because they got Lonzo? <laughs> you know, yeah, and because they got LBJ, you know? And listen, he's done it twice already. He's taken two subpar teams and through sheer will has taken them not only to the playoffs but to the finals. That is true. That, That's and, a fact. And not a lot of people talk about that. You know, everybody wants to talk about, oh, well, you know, he's always losing in the finals. There is some truth to that. But you know what? On crappy teams. You can't be the only guy on the team, especially if you're going up against Golden State every year, who's got five weapons who can beat you at any time. Basically, mm-hmm. it's an unfair event. So KD's not going to get that love. That team is too because, solid. Because, yeah, it, it, he's on a team that, you know, it, they can say, oh, well, you can't focus on KD because you got to focus on the other four guys. There's the Splash Bros. There's Iguodala. Yeah. There's Green. There's you now Cousins. But you got to right? remember... KD came from what, Seattle? No, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. OKC. But I think he, I liked him when he was he in OKC. Started, I think he started in Seattle. I believe I, so. Right? He was drafted by them, maybe. Yeah. So yeah, he he's done it before. Before they left Seattle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he's done it before, but you're only gonna remember this run for him. That's true. Because this is the run where he's winning championships, and when you think of this run, you don't think of just him. You think of Curry. You think of Thompson. Right. Curry you gets think, mentioned often, like exactly. more often a lot of times, even if he's not quite as deserving. He's a young player, so he's yeah. got a lot to go. But and, and, and you he look gets at, more respect for some reason. And you he look has at Jordan. Game, Jordan had Pittman. Yeah. You know? That's what, oh, my God. That conversation so, drives me crazy when people are like, oh, Jordan was better because he won championships on a no, crappier team. Jordan did have Jordan some talent. Jordan had an awesome team every single year that he won. He well, had the right players and the right... The I reason I say that is because... He had the right role players playing the right that's roles. That's why. That's still and an awesome he, team because the guys have, filled in the role, the three-point shooters, yeah, the rebounders, Kerr, the defensive specialists. You had, you had uh, Grant. They changed how the you NBA had was Oakley at one time. Oakley was the power forward at one time. Right. You had Cartwright over there. Mm-hmm. You had Pippen. So he had players. He didn't have superstars, but he had players, and they played their roles very well. To perfection. Exactly. And you had the triangle, which nobody really knew how to... How to manage at the time until now nobody really you know, plays that anymore. And then Phil Jackson came and tried to put the triangle in the Knicks and failed spectacularly. But anyway, <laughs> it's the Knicks. But not yeah, to get exactly. sidetracked though. But Jose, going back to what I was asking before, do you see um, Kevin Durant as a potential 2019 NBA MVP? I think it's really, it's definitely there's a lot of potential. But like I said, I think a lot of it is going to ride, unfortunately, on the narrative around LeBron James. It's sad. But that's kind of the truth. It's going to roll around that because LeBron James gets most of the attention. Hey, you know what, man? KD I totally agree with you. Like Walter said, he's a little more timid. He just goes and plays the game, which is actually another great reason to respect him. He's not talking a lot of crap. He's just yeah. like, I'm here to play. You know what he reminds me of? He reminds so me of he's Tim in the Duncan. conversation. But he reminds me of Tim Duncan in, in his demeanor. Tim Duncan, all he's he got did a little was... bit more cockiness to him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. those shots, though. But Tim Duncan was always very humble. Like, exactly. Like it was after that damn shot that Durant hit in the playoffs last year that he just hit that three. And just walked away with his hand up in the air, like, yeah, that's basically the nail in the coffin. We're done. But, yeah, but Tim Duncan was a guy. He was a guy. He came in, did it, did his thing. Yeah, got his twenty, got his ten, got the wins. Walked out, didn't say anything. No flash. You know, there no was flash. no flash. He was very, very vanilla in his game. Mm-hmm. I think so too. And KD, he's so smooth. It doesn't look like he has any effort. And so maybe that also plays into the fact I that you look at him. Thing last year. You know, he's very, very fluid in his movements. It's like he's not putting any effort into it. Mm-hmm. And so some people might look at that and say, Ever. eh, he's not working as hard. 
But the guy, he's there's he's no got wasted talent. movement. Exactly, there's he's no wasted talent. movement when he does anything. Everything is very deliberate with a player right. like him. Yep. Uh, LeBron, like like I said, I think there's a lot more effort involved, and I think again he's the, the he's the face of the league, whether you like it or not. So that's going to enter into the it's going to factor into the conversation as to whether or not. KD will end up being the MVP. Plain and simple, LeBron James is the NBA. Yeah. And, and on better that or worse. note... <laughs> and on that note... Right. Uh, LeBron yes, James we... has officially announced, actually, that there will be a sequel. Well, we don't know if it really is a sequel. To Space Jam. What if it's a prequel? Whoa! Space Jam. Hello. Even for those who don't even watch basketball or know much about basketball, like Metatron, you don't know much about basketball, but you know about Space Jam, do you yeah, not? Yeah, my, my travels take... A more literary nature, but I have seen Space Jam, basketball, like Bugs Bunny and his intergalactic basketball tournament. Right? I mean, come on, it's the monsters, like, man. It's gonna be awesome. The monsters you know? of basketball. Yep. Now, the difference they, is they announced that the well, okay, the difference is that instead of Michael Jordan, you got LBJ. It's gonna be LeBron James. King. It'll be the NBA itself. You know, but you know what? They they say that Space Jam Two may not even be a sequel. It may just be a reboot of Space Jam, which would be fine. What the heck do you exactly. really need a sequel to Space Jam for? It's not like it's just its grand narrative or like right. the yeah. Star Wars yeah. trilogy. I didn't even know this though. I'm looking at the article that we kind of referenced for this. I did not know that the director of Black Panther is going to direct this movie. No, he's or produce this movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's not the he's not the director. Excuse me, but that's still actually probably pretty good news because Black Panther is awesome. Didn't he also direct um, Creed? Creed and Creed 2 right which yep. are both well Creed is a very good movie I'm looking and forward to Creed 2 also was it, the trailer just came out actually. The, the, the second trailer I believe. was pretty tight too what's up wasn't he also the director for the the movie Michael jo- Michael B. Jordan was in oh before Fruit, that Fruitvale Station? Fruitvale Station I haven't seen mm-hmm. that but I heard it's a really really good I movie I believe he was the director I on think that it's too. So you a true story or something like yes, that yes absolutely but, so you've got three straight movies that have been fantastic mm-hmm. and now he's overseeing this one listen you, you gotta you gotta have good feels on this right you know? right and I think LeBron James is actually pretty funny and a decent actor in the things that we've seen him in. I, I want to see Bugs think. Bunny's skills. <laughs> I want to see right. his crossover. <laughs> you know what I want to see more than anything else? You know who I want to see like besides Bugs Bunny and all the Looney Tunes? I want to see Bill Murray reprise his damn role in this movie, man. Bill Murray was in the first one. He came out of nowhere to help lead that team to a victory. He helped Michael Jordan. He needs to be at Space Jam too, and then that will make that movie... Fantastic for me. That's really what I'm looking for. I think Space Jam is just going to be one of those movies that you don't have to be a fan of the game to love the movie. Just like people, right. you know, may not, not a lot of people may love boxing, but they still love the Rocky movies, you know. You could still love Creed even though you never watched it. Right. I mean, you never got into boxing. Exactly. Now, in regards to basketball, you don't have to be a fan of basketball to love Space Jam. Yeah, it'll yeah. just be one of those universal things. Exactly. exactly. Like you said, Metatron, it's just something that you don't have to know a lot about, even if you like literally stuff. Who doesn't like Looney Tunes, man? Like, if you don't exactly. like Looney Tunes, like, you're a psychopath. And I don't even want to hang out with you if you don't like Bugs Bunny. Exactly. What's up, Daffy Duck? And all that good stuff. And I'm glad we're getting this iteration because looking at that article, at one point, Tiger Woods was attached to this. I was going to say the same oh, thing. Wow. What was that going to be? Like, uh, Space no. One? Like, yeah. Space, <laughs> Space Fairway? Space Rough? For some reason, I think they made the right choice bringing in the king. Well, <laughs> you know. Tiger Woods has had his own issues. We'll now, say, I, now I don't need years. a backtrack. I don't need a backtrack. Like, going back to KD being the potential NBA uh, MVP for next year. Uh-huh. But I didn't ask Metatron, who's, doesn't really, who doesn't watch basketball, but still. Basically, Metatron... For um, for next year, right? 
there's this guy. His name is Kevin Durant, right? Okay, let's just say he's a really talented Wookiee, right? Now, you put him on a team of of non-Wookiees but are really talented. Is there there a potential for him to be, like, the big all-star of next year? Like, what, what do you think? Well, a team of Wookiees. A team of non Wookies, but are really talented, okay. coupled with a talented Wookie. So I think you're so you're saying here is that the really talented Wookie on the team of not so talented Wookies is LeBron James, right? <laughs> that what we're talking about here. So no, we're talking about KD. We're talking about KD. KD. Yeah, I'm KD. asking Metatron about that. Oh, okay. No, he's okay. talking about he's talking about LeBron James being in the Lakers. Yeah, but he has him being the Wookie and the, the other Wookie. the other players being the Ewoks. <laughs> oh, oh, look at that! The Wookie amongst the, teddy bears, there right? You go. Right. Okay. No, so but there's the reference point. Right, but I want to. Exactly, but I want to know what Metatron over here thinks about a Wookiee being amongst non-Wookiees, but they're all talented. And what do you think of that Wookiee being the all-star of next year? <laughs> well, I think... <laughs> <laughs> Tell well, us more, okay. Metatron. Tell us more. <laughs> well, These again, are not the droids you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. Again, I... I'm not really a sports guy, but I think if he can really distinguish himself from all the other players who... You said they're also very good, right? Mm-hmm. Very talented. But if yes. he's as good a player as best. we've seen... It's the Justice League. So yeah. what do you... What he's do you, Superman. Exactly. Right? What he's are Superman. the chances of him actually toppling them in regards to popularity? Well, like I said, if he can really bring it out mm-hmm. while being on that team, he definitely has a chance. Okay. It's going to be tough for him to yeah. do because he's always, again, kind of slid into right. the background even though he's one of the better players so we'll see we'll see yeah, what but if he really wants it he'll he'll try and get it well he's not well I guess sure. that's where I can kind of close it if you, if, if you want we can definitely talk more about it if you think there's more to say but like does does he want to be the MVP does he care we'll see I think he just cares about a championship we'll, I don't think he cares about an MVP hey man we'll, we'll see what that's the goal right right and we'll see what away with as much hardware as you can right and we'll see what the Golden State Wookiees or Warriors I should say <laughs> will be doing this upcoming season but you know what this is all I gotta well say the Golden State Wookiees this is what all I got to say in closing in regards to basketball, that you know what, no matter how many championship rings any NBA player has, especially LeBron James, none of them will ever have the ring of power that my late master once had. <laughs> because my, my late master is the true MVP. That's all I got to say, universally speaking. Of now, going on to Metatron. Yes, my topic here on the topic of other genre news, I want to talk about what I mentioned earlier, the Predator. Oh, oh you want to talk about? And that's before, the jut to you. <laughs> yes, that's how you know it's serious, man. We're slamming tables here. <laughs> before we start, I want to issue a warning. Spoilers. This is going to be a spoiler-ridden review. Weapons so of class four and low are prohibited. Wait, should I go la 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 since I haven't seen yes. this one yet? Yes, yeah. definitely la, 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 do that if you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> okay, I'll try my best not to listen and still interact at the same time. We'll see if this works. Check us out in the next 15 minutes. Yep. <laughs> yes, so now we're getting into it. First thing that I want to bring up in regards to The Predator... The movie that could have been. Yes. What 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 happened, guys? Like, all right. If you're lo- if you're going into this movie because you like gore, fine. It's your movie. But in terms of the story, it gets a little weird. Like, for instance, they finally go into the reason why they're collecting skulls on spines. Okay. And it's because they're trying to genetically modify themselves into the ultimate predator. Hybridization, basically. Yes. 
that was see that I'm not gonna lie, that kind of ruined it for me because yeah. I always liked the Predator it's as the trophy. Yes, the trophy hunter from space that you'll never see coming. Right. That I I think they're trying to build mythology here, and the 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 thing about this movie, this movie really truly felt like a movie that was trying to bridge to the second movie. It was a movie oh, that was trying true. to. It was a movie that was it that exists solely to say, hey, we're showing you what's going on here. This is the basic backdrop. Come back and watch the second movie, which is going to be way awesomer than this movie. Oh well, I'm not really a fan of and, that. And and so, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like you know, you had Shane Black, who's who's done some really good movies. I mean, I'm a big fan of him doing Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He did Iron Man three. He you know the good guys. He's done a lot of good movies. This is not one of my favorite movies of his. I like you know? Kiss King Bang Bang. Um, Kiss, yeah, Bang Kiss Bang. King Bang Bang is a great movie. Guys, if you haven't seen it, please go out. Very funny. Get get on Netflix, get on iTunes, try and see that movie. That movie's hilarious. Val Kilmer and Iron Man, dude. Yep. Totally for freaking hilarious movie. But but, anyway. the, but this movie, exi- to me, it exists just to forward the franchise into the second movie. It's, it's, it's one of those prototypical, here's the first movie. We're not going to give you, we're not going to, waste our time a lot on this we're just going to give you all the points so that you can see the second awesome movie well and i don't think this second movie is going to happen they went off the lore a lot if you really delve deeper into the predator universe you would see well, that yeah, they were off topic a lot here, here, here's the other this thing is like so I, original yeah the predator culture generally they don't like hybridization i mean you look at avp requiem right when they saw that there was a predomorph they're like holy crap this is an abomination we gotta kill this thing yeah so to go from that to oh hey you know what that might have actually been cool let's go do it is it turns it on its head and trust me for certain plot lines and stories turning it on its head is pretty cool Mm -hmm. but for something as radical as this, I don't think it works. I, I actually totally agree because it seems like nowadays, if you haven't noticed in all of media, hybridization is becoming an overrated thing. Like, for example, you could compare this to the Jurassic World movies now. Oh, Look yeah. at the oh, Indominus yeah. Rex true. and the Indoraptor. They're like, oh, the T-Rex was badass? You know what? We can make something even more badass. <laughs> yeah. Let's create like a freaking hybrid let's mix the genes of a freaking velociraptor with a t-rex with a lizard and and whatnot and make something even more deadly it can camouflage like the alpha predator back then was already the t-rex why can't we just leave it at that right yeah you know yeah well i guess i have to ask the question as somebody that's a little less familiar with the predator lore have they explored like their planets have they explored their culture enough i guess enough is my question because this one wasn't about that. In my opinion, no, in my opinion, more no. Based again, like some they of the did older explain ones. some of it in AVP, right? Yes, they do that. Some in, of it. Yeah. Some is not enough. But see, that's yeah. why I asked the question because you talked about the lore. Right. You talked about the lore also. Yes. To me, if you're going to make this movie, and again, I haven't seen it, so this is my layman's sort of opinion or my un- uneducated opinion. Why not do what probably a lot of Predator fans have been waiting for and explore the lore in greater detail? Explore why, you know, what what their conflict is with aliens. That's explore what I'm saying. Like how they became an origin story, intergalactic hunters. An origin story. To me, like I said, I love Dragon Ball. To me, they're supposed to be like Saiyans, man. They're like the ultimate warriors in the universe. They go to different planets. They wreck, you know, they wreck shit. They take their skulls and, and they move on. And by the way, Predators so are really—they're really called Yautja. 
Yes. That, that's like their native species name. Predators is just mm-hmm. the name us humans give them. Right. But yeah. really, what you're and asking... And they talked about it in the movie. Exactly. Yeah, they did. And the, what... The guy was like, well, why are they called predators? They hunt. Okay. Yeah. But that's not really what they're natively called. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The, but I'm really glad they called that out, though. Exactly. It makes no sense. Right. But what Jose is saying, there should be an origin story, which I totally right. concur with. That there needs to be an origin story to the Yautja. Yeah, these guys hunt for sport. They don't, they don't hunt. And the them. aliens are called xenomorphs. Just saying. Yeah. So, <laughs> going back to AVP, they kind of did explain the relationship between the Predator and the alien in that one, didn't they? Yes. What they were trying to do there is... See, the, we all know Predators, they love hunting things. But what did they find on their travels... They found the ultimate prey. And so what did they do? They go to Earth where they're, you know, they already have a good sound grounding on. Mm -hmm. And they said, let's set up a hunting ground here. Prey that can hunt back. Yes. Which is what makes them so awesome. you You also had humans, which the aliens could face hug and lay their eggs into and create more. Aliens, yeah, they come with their limited armies, and aliens can just keep going and going and going and creating more like that. Yeah, and so the other thing with the predator, we you actually touched on this earlier. There was a lot of studio interference in this movie. That's actually yes, because the original movie (sighs) keeps happening. Let me just point out a few things. One thing that would have made the movie better. Arnold Schwarzenegger's character in the first one was supposed to make a cameo at the end. Get that would have been really cool. Now, I, I will say this, and I'm not, gonna blame, I'm not going to blame the studio on this. I, I'm going to blame more um, Arnie on this. Oh, because he do. The, the original plan was for him... That, he was supposed to come out at the end of the movie. The end of the movie ended with them showing off the Predator armor. The Predator killer armor, right? Oh, no. That's... So, oh. So, <laughs> the the way that originally they had envisioned this movie ending was that, you know, you'd have all the things that happened throughout the movie, and then at the very end, the chopper would come. And, of course, who steps out of the chopper? The but chopper. Dutch from the original Predator movie. Yeah. The problem that happened there, and again, this is rumors, so nothing's ever confirmed in Hollywood, right? Arnold will deny it. But the rumor was... Arnold wasn't happy just doing a cameo. He wanted to be a bigger part of the movie. Why? And so he basically said, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. And so that's where we got into the whole Predator killer armor thing. Oh, well, what's and one that's, of the cameo? What, yeah. what was that movie that he was in with The Rock, the, the Rundown or something like that, where he makes mm-hmm. a very brief appearance, basically passing the action hero torch to him? What's wrong with a cameo, man? Yep. And that's the other thing. That cameo could have set him up for the next movie. Yeah. Yeah. So that in the long run, that didn't even make sense. It's a wasted opportunity. And speaking about things that that don't make sense, and we talked about this before we started this podcast. What's that? You had the hybrid uh, predator come from Earth, Mm -hmm. right? And he was the one that wanted that brought the predator killer armor. With the intentions of giving it to the humans so that they could fight back. Well, the Save hybrid. humanity. Save humanity. <laughs> so what does he do when he gets into the laboratory he, after they capture them? He, he slaughters humans. Wait a second. He's I'm saving sorry. humanity. You're supposed to you're supposed to bring the thing that saves the humans, but the first interaction you have with them, you try and kill them all. Now granted, I know um Metatron it? did say that listen, they captured him, they had him on the table, they had him strapped down. Okay, you know what? Hey, Predator, you have the technology. 
try and figure out a way to communicate. Say, <laughs> I'm here to save your planet. But instead, what do you do? Nah, let's slaughter everybody. Yeah. Let's let's kill everybody. The only person that he doesn't kill is um the o- girl Olivia Munn because she's Olivia so fine. Munn. Exactly. <laughs> and she's not carrying a weapon. And of course yeah, you know that's, how it that's is. And she was culture. naked and he was like, Yeah, you know, I'm gonna let her go. Yeah. yeah you know? can learn to talk, you're right. Like they learn how to say like like fucker at the end of the other movies, man. Exactly. No, and this and this is the thing right. Like, this is the thing. He could to communicate. He could have had a diplomatic solution by using the translator thing that the ultimate predator did at the end. Yeah, when he when he gave him yeah when he gave him the seven like minute head start mm-hmm, to run, mm-hmm. you could have came up with a diplomatic solution such as that. Ah, so it sounds like they made a mess ah, 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 of the ah, canon ah. in this one. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not the greatest movie. Hey, listen, it's it's a it's a movie that you know if you if you're not doing anything on a Saturday afternoon, you know, you could do worse. <laughs> But there's there's one thing that really bothered me in this movie. It was the fact that you know how the ultimate predator, he had these two hunting dogs. Ah. Oh, one of them died, right? Yes. Okay. Now this other one, I don't know how the hell it became domesticated out of nowhere. Well, well here's, no. here's the thing. This is this is what happened according to the movie. Like he, like, to the movie. Olivia Munn was playing fetch with this this yeah, freaking canine. Because, because what happened thingy. was they shot they, they basically lobotomized the dog. It's yeah. Because there was a there was a point where they shot him point blank in the brain. So the implication was is that um, he's effectively lobotomized. He's going to his base base instinct, and he's just become a playful little thing. My big that problem, is the dumbest wait, kind wait, of. Wait, I just gotta ask. This is like a predator dog. Yeah, it is. Yes. So it's like the Hulk dogs and the Hulk yeah, dogs. Right. it's a big thing. Ugh. My big problem is this: you set up this predator dog right for the entire movie. You you establish that he is friendly with Olivia Munn. Right, her character in the movie. You establish that he's on the side now of the humans, and nothing happens with the dog at all. There is no payoff. Nothing. I think the only thing. Yeah, what happens to the dog at the end? The dog just disappears. At the end, the dog survived. But what happened to the dog? You build up the relationship between him and Olivia Munn's character. Prequel. And nothing happens. Uh, You don't mind like pedigree dog food? I don't know something. The dog just shows up. Leaves, shows up, leaves, and then you never see him again. And I don't. Well, there's that one scene at the end where no, he doesn't do anything. He's just there, playing fashion stuff like that. The one thing it does do at the end is disorient the ultimate predator, but that is all it does. But there's no payoff. Yes, exactly. Build this this character, the dog, right? (laughs) And nothing happens. Dog. So what does he want? He runs around the, 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 the big predator at the end. Who cares? <laughs> no, and I really don't like that logic. Like how, what you said, the implication was that when um, the dog was shot in the head, he it, lobotomized all, them. it was yeah. basically domesticated. It, Let me tell you something. Take the dog out. You don't need the dog. Let me tell you something. A cave troll is way more loyal than that because when... <laughs> because when we the, always find a way back to Mordor here. Because when this elf named Legolas went on top of a cave troll, I remember, in the Mines of Moria, he, he shot like an arrow or two on top of the cave troll. The cave troll wasn't domesticated or loyal to the fellowship. Yeah, he was just mad, dude. Yeah, he was still fighting the same enemy. It's not like he became one of the fellowship of terrorists, you know? He was still fighting the bad guy. You can't lobotomize an orc. You can't. Yeah, or, 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 you can't, you can't it it, it didn't make sense. Listen, there, there's a lot not to like about this movie. That movie but, was yeah. like more said, hilarious and terrible than... It was okay. I would have loved it. I, I wish they had done more with Sterling K. Brown's character, 
Um, he ended up what? Shooting himself with the cannon at the end. He killed himself basically, okay. if I remember correctly. <laughs> oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I, Really? You know, you know, you want to know what's really sad? The last actual Predator movie was eight years ago in 2010. Oh. Predators. That was that la- last actual movie. This is movie. not a good follow with Adrian. Yeah. You told me I had to wait almost a decade of my life, of my Balrogian life, to see a Predator movie that I didn't even really like. Like, come on. This is yeah. not. That right. was not a good, a good. Uh, way to go. So it I just, guess it wasn't the best. Yeah, it's and just uh, a few more points to touch on. There was actually also supposed to be more predators in the movie, which was something that I also found to be really infuriating. But listen, listen, the name of the movie is The Predator. Okay, but there's still two predators. The Predators. (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But (laughs) usually, even in AVP, they're... Alright, AVP Requiem is the one-off because he's just trying to go kill the Petalian, but they normally travel in threes. No, there there should have been more predators. Yeah, let's talk about the CGI in this movie. Where where the hell did the money go to this? Because it didn't go to the to the graphics. That, listen, I've seen fan films that look better than this movie. Speaking of fan films, Star Wars Theory is developing a beta fan film which comes out in December. The filming's already has already begun and it's going awesome. And I'll, that, I'll, I'll probably see that, and I'll pro- I bet you anything. The, the graphics on that is probably going to awesome. be better than this because listen if you're not if you're going to do that go practical practical is is practical effects works for predator you don't of, need to cgi the guy it's a lot of terrible cgi i guess oh yeah. it's, it's it's horrible it's yeah, horrible. practical effects yeah. were what made the predator so awesome exactly the they didn't do that with this one really they did it for the small one but for the big one they they it was it was it was CGI. Practical F- effects were was, used in the Lord was, of the Rings. It was doomsday. They made Godzilla from, look big, big in a from, suit. Why couldn't yeah. they make somebody look big in a suit? It's doomsday movie? from Justice League. Right. I, it was that bad. And practical I, I effects wasn't... were used in the Lord of the Rings. CGI was used a lot in The Hobbit, and that's why I really don't like The Hobbit. Other um, than like the storyline. Practical effects nowadays, they're really good. We're not talking about like you said, 1954 Godzilla, where you it's a it's a man in a rubber suit. The practical effects hey, nowadays are really good. the rubber suit. Listen, I, I grew up on Keiju. Oh, yeah. You grew up on Keiju. We good like that. I'm looking at these effects. But my, my point is, my point is, practical effects nowadays work so much better and you avoid the uncanny valley when it comes to these CGI things. And sometimes if you're not putting money into the CGI, it actually detracts from the film because now you're focusing on how bad that CGI is as opposed to trying to immerse yourself into the movie. Yeah, take so. note, Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah, please. We're going to yeah. get to that. We're going to get to oh, that. Oh, yeah, we, that I can't wait to that. talk about that. And just to wrap up Predator on an overall note, the only thing that I liked about this movie, aside from the gore, the only thing, it has been widely disputed that AVP, the movie where they're set in the temple in the Arctic, that was not canon. This movie canonized it, and that is the only thing I look for it. Oh, okay. So that's yes. a good way to go about it. Yeah, so. And and here's the reference they make. So as they're going through the whole facility where, hey, we're studying predators, in one of the glass cases, you see the... If you've ever seen the AVP movie, you know that the predator ends up helping one of the humans that are there. And so what he does is he makes a spear out of, like, a spinal cord and the tail of an alien. Sounds so That badass. spear was in the display case. 
I got so excited when I saw that. Connected. It was amazing. Big behind the scenes moment. Okay, there you go. So, Predator, not all that bad, but if Could you don't see bad. it, not all that good either, I guess. You're okay. You'll be okay with Save it. your money. So, moving on. Uh, the Bumblebee trailer just dropped. The second one. Uh, I gotta say, looks pretty okay. Do we want to take a look at it, or yeah, how do they, we want to... I think we should we should give it a gander. What do they say? Let's go to the videotape, and we're about to get sued. Uh, let's see what this trailer looks like. I've seen a little bit of it. I haven't seen it all yet. And again, we will be talking over the trailer, so... Um, Legal stuff. Just so that we're not uh, captured and tortured and sent to Guantanamo Bay and all that stuff. <laughs> so, And I'll make a little reference, actually, that I just noticed. Apparently... We were talking about this earlier. Travis Knight is going to direct this one, not Michael Bay. I'm already happy about that. And apparently, Travis Knight is the head of Nike's son, Phil Knight. So that's a little bit of an interesting reference there. For all of you who may not know, it's Haley Steinfeld who is the actress in this movie. She's like who that is. the main. <laughs> she's like the main human character. Isn't she like Disney she, or something like that? Haley Steinfeld is actually a singer. Oh, she is. She's a singer. singer. She makes good songs. Yeah. Okay, she's trying her hand at acting. So far we see the old uh, VW Bug style bumblebee. So that's already a nice little uh, yeah. start there. The transformation in the garage. And the bug turned into bumblebee, which is very interesting. So th this bumblebee kind of retains some of the, the bumblebee features from the old movies. It does have the, the battle mask that he drops down when he's about to go and kick some bumblebee ass. Mm -hmm. John, John Cena is in it, apparently. Because you can't see me. Playing his first badass role in a while. He's been in a lot of like comedies, like blockers and stuff like oh, that. Oh, is that a Cobra helicopter? And, and just, look like just going back to John Cena, I think he's actually a bad guy in this movie. That's interesting. I don't think I've seen him play a bad guy in anything. Exactly. Before. One thing that I'll say that looks good about this movie right away is, like I said, it doesn't have that Michael Bay vibe. It looks like it gives scenes time to develop. Michael Bay is not very good at that. And we, we've also gone 10 seconds without an explosion. Yes. I see yeah. some of the action scenes. Oh, awesome. Shockwave is in. That's Shock my man. Shockwave is in this one, so that is awesome. The war for Cybertron is showcased in and, this movie. And hey. we're talking about Generation 1 Shockwave. G1, you know, baby. Did we, did we hear his voice? Because we know what everybody's waiting for. I want to hear that Soundwave voice from the original cartoon. Optimus uh, Prime is in it. Generation 1 Optimus Prime yet again. Peter Weller. Peter Weller. I mean, he's been reprising the role in all the movies, which is There's the, the only reason mass. I enjoy it. Cybertron? And see, I'm really low. I'm really looking forward to seeing the war for Cybertron in this movie. Like yes. at least it's flashbacks. I hope they they focus on that a lot because that's something that we haven't seen in, in a lot of these movies. Right, I haven't seen all of them. I've seen both the first two, which were okay. Yeah, Michael I Bay. Think, we I never saw it before. After you've seen the first two, you're pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that I saw that any of the other ones. It went, it went really good. down, especially the last one, which had uh, Merlin in it. <laughs> that's all I'll say about that. Okay. Yeah. And that's the trailer. So, Metatron. Bumblebee Let's broke the couch. start with you, my friend. Thoughts on the trailer? I think... I, I'm, 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 I'm clearly very excited about this, and I don't want to overstep my bounds, but already, from what I see, I feel like we're going to get the Transformers movie. We deserved it in the first place. Oh, yeah. I think so, too. Yeah. And, like, you get to see a lot more Transformers, too, and, you know, they're... They're not in, like, 
just giant metal swishes like in the other movies yes. where you don't really see them. Like Michael Bay, it's just steel attacking steel. You don't even see robots. <laughs> yeah, and just the models are so well done. Like, I think that there's one Transformer movie that looks like Starscream, but I believe that might be Blitzwing, who's a triple changer also. That's pretty cool. So we might, get, we might see some of that hybridized... Attack from above, tank on the ground action. That might be a cool thing to toy around with. That looks pretty cool. Uh, I will say that I have to, to, to agree that this actually looks pretty good. As was mentioned, I've only seen the first two, I was going to say Star Wars movies. I don't know where I was going with that. Transformers <laughs> movies. I've only seen the first two of them. Um, by the way, I'm an 80s baby, so for me, the ultimate Transformers movie is still... The 1985 or 86 cartoon, I can't remember the exact year. I do, I do believe they re-released that um, as, yeah. a, as a remaster just recently. On Blu-ray, they, they re-released that. No, they actually had it in theaters. They did? Oh, that's they right. Did. They, they I did, did see that because I went to see the Dragon Ball movie in theaters and they mentioned that in the yep. advertisement beforehand. I guess I missed that, which is a shame. To me, that's the ultimate. Um, when you were a kid, that, that cartoon changed your world. I, I don't have to say spoiler alert, I don't think, because that movie's freaking more than 30 years old, but, like, everybody dies, man. Everybody dies in that movie. It's fantastic. It's a great storyline. Do you know the reason why they, they killed off all those... New those toys. Yeah, that, new toys, man. That's new the toys, reason. man. Anybody that knows anything about all those great cartoons from when we were kids knows that anytime somebody dies because they wanted a new toy line. Yep. But... So, so, without getting too long-winded about it, though, the two Transformers live-action movies that I saw were okay. The second one had some homages to the old movie uh, with the Matrix of Power. And leadership. Optimus, Matrix of Leadership, excuse me. And Optimus, you know, fighting to the death and sacrificing himself and that. I think that's the second one, right? If yeah, that crazy. is the second one. Uh, just like the original. Um, but those movies... After the second one, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way because, like I said, the action sequences, Michael Bay, it's just too much. It's explosions. It's fast cuts. You can't see anything that's going on. The acting was pretty subpar, in my opinion. You had Shia LaBeouf, who's a good actor. He's a little crazy, but he's a good actor. Megan Fox was not a good actress. She's just eye candy. I mean, changing all the look of all the Transformers so much was just a little jarring for me, having... I think they had to have Optimus Prime. They had to give him a face, kind of, to make him more relatable in this movie. But it's still weird to see Optimus Prime with a face mm -hmm. and not a mask. Uh, so is Peter Cullen already be Optimus Prime in this movie? Peter, mm -hmm. Peter, what? Cullen? Yeah, Peter, is it Peter Cullen or Peter Weller? Peter, uh, I don't Peter. know. I think okay. it's Peter Weller actually. Well, I was close. I think. Well, let, well, but no, I think Peter Weller is RoboCop man. Oh Peter yes, yes, RoboCop. yes. Peter Cullen, right? I believe, yep. is is, yep. is yep. Optimus Prime. So I'm getting that out of the way. This looks better already because it looks like it's going to focus more on the story. Like you said, War of Cybertron might be included. Uh, awesome, like, classic Transformers designs are in this one. It looks like they give the characters time to actually have conversations and develop story. So far, I like it more than what I've seen so far. What do you think, Walter? Um, I, I am a fan of the first Transformers, the Michael Bay one. I think that one had the most heart. So, um, and, and it, it, it tried. was actually, yeah, it tried and, and it was pretty good. It, ha it had some heart. It was kind of funny. It had, it had a, a good story. Um, the movies have consistently gotten worse after that. So it seems. Um, I'm actually excited for this one. I, I want to see G1, uh, Optimus. I want to see Soundwave, one of my favorite Transformers back in the days. 
they go back they have rampage yeah, you know um, this will be an awesome movie and you know the interesting thing this movie is coming out in December it's coming out in, it's around quick. Christmas a holiday release a holiday so, um, release you know what that means it took over the spot that Star Wars had the last couple of years um, just now, last year actually but this year it's going to be a little crowded because you're going to have Aquaman come out you have Bumblebee cool. come out a lot. so you're going to have a lot of things but if this if this turns out to be a good movie you might see you might see some money coming into this movie um, but let's see what happens I, I, I think it's good I think I think they're going for the right tone um, it's different like like um, Jose said before it's not Michael Bayish <laughs> we actually we actually spent some time not having to worry about the slow motion cuts, the explosions oh, that he's famous for. I hate that famous slow motion for, he always uses. You know, the um the the overblown, you know, lighting and things of that nature. Racist robots, robot yeah. testicles, old robots, like come on. The man. less said of those Michael Bay movies, the better. Um <laughs> I shouldn't have said any of that stuff that I just said right now. Basically what he's saying. But it looks good. And like I said, I I, I think I might be excited for this movie. ASAP, what about you, man? Hey. What do you think? Hey. What is, what's Mordor's opinion on this movie? Hey, Cybertron in War, G1, Haley Steinfeld and John Cena, mm-hmm. not Michael Bay. What more can you ask for? In you a know? nutshell, keep it simple. Nine out of ten rings of power. That sounds good to me. All right. So I think everyone's kind of in agreement that we're pretty excited about this Bumblebee movie. It's a little bit like... Oh, I don't know. Uh, Bumblebee, a Transformers story. Speaking of which, we're going to finish up with our, let's say, final topic of the week. I don't know if it's the lead topic. Uh, A movie that I just saw, um, and that can kind of color your opinion, or my opinion of the movie, uh, if you're thinking about it. Uh, Solo, a Star Wars story. Uh, We just wanted to talk a little bit about that movie. It came out on Blu-ray, I believe, this past week. Yeah. and I think it, it, it has to be stated that everybody pretty much saw it as a bomb, so I guess we can discuss what we thought about it and why. But first, I guess we want to give a special mention, uh, rest in peace, to Gary Kurtz. He passed away at 78 years old. He was the original producer of the original Star Wars movies first back two. before they had episode numbers, back before it was episode Star one, Wars two, and three, Empire. Yeah. seven and eight. Uh, movie that Walter saw many, many years ago on May 25th, 1977. In the theaters! This gentleman is responsible for two, I would probably say, we would mostly agree, those are the two best Star Wars movies, right? So we have to give him a, a big shout out. Maybe Metatron doesn't agree, but at least for us original OG fans, not you, sir, we think it's a better version. And those are <laughs> yeah, the best okay, two movies. Okay. But Gary Kurtz kind of besides the point. Gary Kurtz is one with the Force now. Yes, he is. He's basically he's a blue Force ghost. He's gonna lead Kathleen Kennedy in the right direction. Hopefully, uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, well, Gary Kurtz, may the Force be with him. Uh, always, always. Uh, so I guess I'll start off with my thoughts since I am the freshest person to have just seen this movie. I am not gonna beat around the bush. Uh, I thought it was pretty much a train wreck. To me, the movie started off as bad fan fiction at best and ended as a bad Star Wars movie at best. Uh, 
and there's a lot of reasons why. First off, I think the biggest problem I had with this movie is it's basically just a, a, a big conveyor belt for Easter eggs. That's all it is to me. Everybody loves Easter eggs in their sci-fi and comic book movies. They're, they're great if done properly. Yeah, this, this movie exists just as an Easter egg. It's a giant Easter egg because... Spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen this movie. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Okay? It's going off. Spoiler alert. Literally everything cool about Han Solo that he talks about in any of the later movies happens in this movie. He gets his name, apparently. His name was just Han. Apparently he gets the name Han Solo from an Imperial like customs officer. I don't even know who the hell that guy was. He gets his, his, his iconic pistol... He gets his dice. He he loses the first game to Lando Calrissian as a full start of cards and doesn't get the Millennium Falcon. Then he gets it at the end of the movie. He hooks up with Chewbacca in this movie. Literally, he does the, the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. Couldn't they have saved any of this stuff for maybe another movie? I don't know. I, I would actually argue that this movie actually makes Han Solo as a character worse. Yes. Because you always, you've always heard of him and the Millennium Falcon making that Kessel Run in twelve parsecs, and when you actually see it, what you know that? he didn't he, do it alone. He didn't do it alone. First of all, he had help. They they took the 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 Navi computer from the a droid, the droid L three, I believe her name was. was that, yeah, was that Gwendolyn Christie? From- I, not sure. Because that means she's sure. too... I gotta look this up. Keep going, man. I'll but, look it up. But, you know, <laughs> and, and it just cheapens the mythology of the Kessel Run. I mean, I was excited to see the Kessel Run. I was excited to see the pilot that Han Solo was doing the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. What I got was a team effort. That's not Han Solo. Yeah, why didn't Lando mention that he was like basically so pivotal to the Kessel Run at any point because he was in his movie this movie was 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 a mess to, from the start you had you had the original directors Lord and Miller who um, their claim to fame was the Lego movies their claim to fame was the 21 Jump Street movies which were pretty good um, Kathleen Kennedy brought them in knowing full well what their background was and so you know the movie went along they they nearly finished the film, according to according to rumors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so now, the latest rumor that came out is that Kasdan wasn't pleased with the direction that they were taking the movie. He had he had a specific vision of the film based on what he wrote, him and his son wrote as the script. He didn't like what they were doing. Now in Hollywood, the screenwriter has no power whatsoever. So, based on the rumors, he went and he started talking into the the Han Solo actor's name. Aldrin Ironreich, I, 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 I believe. Something like yeah, that. something like that. And he kept, he kept talking in his ear until finally Alden went to the producers and said, hey, this isn't working. It was a very tense, very toxic um, set. And eventually, Lorna Miller was released with 90% of the movie done. Now, terrible. they had to reshoot almost the entire movie when Ron Howard was brought into it to the point that when Ron Howard came into it there was applause amongst the cast and the crew <laughs> you stu- this movie became a very expensive thing just because of the fact that they had to reshoot almost the entire film if you saw the film the film starts out with 
uh, Han Solo and Kira on Corellia trying to get away from Mother Proxima. According to the rumors, that was supposed to be the finale of the Lord and Miller movie. Imagine that they took that finale, put it in the front, and had to reshoot everything, bring in a new character to be the big bad in the movie. They Vision. had Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany. <laughs> who wasn't bad, know, actually. Who played, who played Dryden Voss, right? Um, then, on top of that, the rumors that came out where he, Alden needed an acting coach on on the set to help him get through this. Now listen, when I watched the movie, I fully expected to hate him as being Han Solo. Yeah. To to give him credit, he didn't do a Harrison Ford impression, which is good. He did a Han Solo thing, but you know what? I've heard it from different other people. A lot of people didn't go see Han Solo because it wasn't Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, more than any other actor, embodies his characters. You cannot have an Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones without mm-hmm. Harrison Ford. You can't have a Han Solo without Harrison Ford, but yet they did it. In my opinion, this was a movie that never really needed to be made. I went along with it because I am a huge Star Wars fan. Speaking of that, Walt, I don't mean to cut you off. No, no, But fine. you mentioned two things that really caught my attention. First mm-hmm. of all, you brought up Indiana Jones. Yeah. How you said Harrison Ford embodies Indiana Jones. When you think of Indiana Jones, you think of Harrison Ford, correct? Right. Yes. Well, in the future, there's speculation that that Indiana Jones will re, will be rebooted they're as a female. To, they're gonna have to tread lightly on that one. As a female, so Indiana Jones is a female now. Think so about it's that. Tomb Raider, basically. That's Tomb Raider. Basically, like, come on, we already have a Lara Croft. That we don't mean. we don't need to have a female Indy, you know. Yeah. But that's just my opinion. Now, moving on to what you said. About um oh my gosh I just lost track what was it? you mentioned something before what is it, uh, about uh, about Han Solo oh right 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 this whole movie the impression or no this whole movie, movie in general okay what true Star Wars fan now ask yourself this to those listening what true Star Wars fan if you're not a true Star Wars fan do you know ask for this movie. I can't think of anybody because I do not know anyone personally especially myself of course asking for this movie. I have nothing against Star Wars spin-offs. I love Rogue One. But Solo was not necessary whatsoever. You wanted to talk about the Kessel Run? You could have put that like I don't know, like in a Forces of Destiny type thing. For those of you know for those of you who don't know what Force of, Forces of Destiny is, it's a short YouTube um, animated series which discusses, you know, the exploits of certain characters in yeah, the Star Wars in the Star Wars saga. But yeah, you could have just put that there. You don't need to see it. It's 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 mythology. It's lore. It's just imagining it. I, I remember. I remember as a kid watching the movie and say, "Wow, he did the Kessel Run in twelve parsecs." That was always something that was a vivid, something vivid in my mind. I I would imagine it and say, "Wow, that's cool." But I didn't need to see it. Disney just yeah, after your childhood memory right there. You know how that and works with me? That that kind of like is the same thing as the Joker having an origin story. It's right. not necessary. It's more cool when the Joker tells like going back to what we were talking about earlier, tells several different origin stories to kind of throw you off the trail. It's got it's this is going to sound like a weird comparison, but you'll understand this one, Walter. To me, him us seeing the story of what happened takes the power away from it. It's kind of like um, how on Married with Children, he would always tell the story of getting four touchdowns in one game <laughs> in high school. <laughs> Granted, that was a good episode that they eventually made in Married with Children, but there was something awesome about just the idea of him telling that story over and over and over and over again. It almost makes it better than actually seeing it happen. Yeah, and, and, and with Han Solo, Han Solo 
by nature he's kind of this mysterious shady character he's a scoundrel right just comes to, across to, as a brat in this movie. Yeah, to, to show to show it, it kind of it kind of takes away from that. Look, you know? the truth is, people like mystery, and not everything needs an explanation. That's something Disney needs to un- needs to understand, especially with Star Wars. I don't need to know why Han Solo's name, his last name, is Solo. Yes. Oh, that was horrible. You know, yeah. that was rough. I don't need to know all this and that about him. I don't need to know the how dice. Yeah, right. That, and I don't need to know how crazy the Kessel Run was because I can already just imagine. Like what Walt over here was saying, how you know intense the castle run was. Mm-hmm. I don't need someone to put it on the big screen. The imagination was better than the actual exactly the actual scene. No matter how dramatic my imagination may be, it was a thousand times better than what I saw on the big screen. Let's put it this way: I went, I took my my family to go see the movie. My my ten year old son is a big Star Wars fan. He fell asleep during this movie. That's sad. Now, During a Star Wars movie, folks. When, when I saw the movie, when I saw the movie, I have to admit, I'm the biggest Darth Maul fan. Everybody in this, oh, in this thing go. knows about it, right? Spoiler alert! Big spoiler alert. More spoilers. I am a huge Darth Maul fan. He is my by far my favorite Star Wars character. Best lightsaber fight in all of Star Wars. Absolutely. Nobody can, the can dis- at least. dispute that. So, I'm, I'm here watching the movie... We get to the Kessel Run. It it starts to pick up a little bit. Admittedly, everything else beforehand, before it came, it was kind of slow. The Kessel Run, didn't like it, but you know what? It added something. There was a little bit more excitement. I fell out of my chair when they showed Darth Maul. Um... And I feel bad made, for the guy next to him. Yeah, by the way. literally, literally, I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's Darth Maul!" What? <laughs> you know? And so. The first viewing I had of Solo was colored by that. You know, I couldn't get past the fact that Darth Maul was there. He's back. And on the anybody, big screen. On the big screen. Mm-hmm. And for anybody that knows, he's always been back. He's been part of the Clone Wars on in the Cartoon Network. And he was also on Rebels. And so there is a whole backstory. And here's, here's a couple of things that I'm going to find fault. Now that I saw it a second and a third time... Mm-hmm. Darth Maul, the last time that you saw him on the big screen. 1999. Uh, 1999, cut in half at the hands of Obi-Wan. Now, again, the Star Wars geeks, we know the backstory of how he he was so angry that with the force, you know, at at what was it, what was that? Phantom Menace occurred when he was around 22 years old. So he was a 22-year-old Dathomir. Because he was born in 54 BBY. And I, I just have to give a shout-out because Walter and ASAP Balrog apparently put together this whole freaking timeline for Darth Maul's life, which is what we're referencing right now. But yes, go ahead, and, Walter. And, and all of that stuff is included in canon. And listen, we, we did the best we could. We stayed up late doing this, yeah. so you know, saw just movie, saying. We saw the movie at 9 o'clock in, at night. We did not finish this list until about 3.30 in the morning that same day. So we went straight through trying to get this done. So, but my, my biggest thing is this. You had Darth Maul. The last time you saw him was in Phantom Menace in the movie theater realm. Okay? Cut in half. There was nothing else. If you left that alone, if that's the last thing you saw of Darth Maul... People assume he's KIA. He's dead. Okay? You bring him back in this movie and... A lot of the talk at at the end of the movie and a lot of the talk for the first couple of days was, did this occur before Phantom Menace? It didn't. 
Okay? Yeah. This happened way after that. So, for the people who are non non fans, the average the, the average moviegoer, they look at this guy and they're totally confused. Now, the other thing <laughs> that I find fault and this is behind the scenes stuff here. The actor that that plays the 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 Darth Maul physically, right? Um is the same actor that was from Phantom Menace, right? Ray Park. Ray mm-hmm. Park, and who also played Snake Eyes in the G.I. Joe movies, who also was Toad in the X-Men movies, right? And that's pretty much it. Um, and no, he's, he's done he some other like B-movies and stuff like that. But he, this, Those are the big ones. If you're going to say this is his role, he's, he's known as Darth Maul. He will forever be known as Darth Maul, no matter what he does. Maybe Snake Eyes, but Darth Maul is his baby, right? Mm-hmm. In the first movie, he didn't voice that, that, that role. That was Peter... Um, Savenovitz or something like that. He's he's the current tick in the Amazon shows. Okay, he was the voice of Darth Maul. Darth Maul in the in the shows, the animated shows, is voiced by Sam Witwer. Star Wars fans knows him as being the apprentice from the Force Unleashed video games. Mm-hmm. Okay, Peter Serafinowicz. Peter Serafinowicz is the is the original Darth Maul from Phantom Menace. The voice. Sam Witwer is now the voice going forward. He did it in Clone Wars. He did it in Rebels. He did it in Solo. Okay? So, Ray Park, again, physical actor. Sam Witwer, the voice actor. And this is my biggest problem with Star Wars right now. And this is... It hurts me to say this as a fan, but this is the problem that I have with Star Wars. They do not rely on their story group. Marvel does an excellent job of having a story group that ties everything together. Star Wars does not. When Force Awakens was done, they had no idea what the next movie was going to be. We ended up getting Last Jedi, which I happen to like. You had Darth Maul in Solo, and originally his... And I'm picking at it. I'm picking at little little details here, but little details, the devil's in the details, as they say. Mm-hmm. Originally, his lightsaber was going to be the same one that he lost in Phantom Menace. And Sam Witwer had to go to Ron Howard and tell him, listen, I've, I've embodied this character for how many years? In Clone Wars, in Rebels, you're doing it wrong because he no longer has that lightsaber he has a lightsaber that he a- appropriated from um, the Inquisitors. That's his new lightsaber. They had to they had to retcon that and put it in because otherwise it would have been wrong. You cannot do that. If you're going to tell a story that's a continuous story, get it right. Get the little details right. Talk to the Pablo Hidalgos of the world. Talk to the Dave Filonis of the world. Get them involved. Those are the guys that know Star Wars back and forth. Dave Filoni was the guy that mentored under George Lucas. He was supposed to be the next George Lucas. He's now they they moved him into the animated world. He's done an awesome job there. That man knows his Star Wars almost as good, if not better, than George Lucas. Why are you not going to him and talking about what we should be doing, what should we should be adding in here, what should tie into what? That to me is the biggest problem with the Star Wars universe now, aside from the fact that the fandom has lost their minds. 
like the DC but, universe to a certain extent. But no what Walt is really saying is that you, if you're going to do this, you gotta you gotta keep it tight. Marvel does an excellent job of that. There is no way. There's stuff that happens three, four movies before that you see ha- pay off in in the following movie. Three movies down the line, they keep it tight, and that's why that the MCU is doing so well. Because you know what, you can't complain where you go back and say, "Oh well, why did this happen?" If two movies ago, um, they did this. That's what's happening in Star Wars. There's no singular vision on how these stories are gonna go, and. Solo is a perfect example of it. You're not talking to the people that you need to be talking to. Kathleen Kennedy, I hate to say it, you're a great producer. You're ruining Star Wars because you know what? You're not you're not looking for that one person to guide the ship. There needs to be proper communication and coordination between the story groups is what Walt is saying, which is definitely true. And although Star Wars may not be doing as great as the MCU, right? Hey, it's well, still listen, it's, it's still doing better than DC. Doing as great as the MCU, listen, though. if you if you still, talk, still doing better than DC. If you want well, to talk true. box office numbers, well, actually, Star Wars would probably be actually no, the MCU would probably be number one. Yeah, in the end, I would think because hey, of the amount of movies that and and so what you, brought something you, up, by the you way. look at it, the top five movies all time, two of them are Star Wars movies. And so, well, right. some of them are Han, Marvel, Han, Han Solo had a domestic gross of two hundred thirty thirteen million dollars. A worldwide gross of three hundred and ninety-two. That, in of itself, that makes it probably the worst ranked one. Two hundred and seventy-nine. You look at some of the movies. You look at Rogue One, which is another another movie that had its issues w- during the production of the of the movie. Still a great you know, movie, though. One of my favorites. Mm-hmm. That movie, domestically, made five hundred and thirty-two million dollars. Way more than so, almost twice as much. As solo overall, okay. Last Jedi, one of the most polarizing movies in the Star Wars franchise. You have you, I mean, and part 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 of it. That's where the Star Wars fandom lost their minds because it's become toxic ever since that movie came out. That movie, six hundred and twenty million dollars just domestic. That movie was. You look at the fans. They think that's the worst thing of all time. <laughs> on uh, some of them, Half of them it made six hundred and twenty million, just domestic, almost three times what Solo did domestically. And the other thing is that, listen, you should have kept Solo in in December. I hate to say, it, moving it to May, stupid mistake. Disney, you owned December with Star Wars. Keep it um, there. You had That's Force Awakens. For Force time. Awakens, number one of all time. That's where it came out. Look at Last Jedi. You had, when Solo came out, Black Panther was out. Deadpool was out. You had Avengers coming out. Incredibles 2. Incredibles 2 coming out. Why do you think that did, it did this badly? There was so much competition, competition there. You throw it in December, maybe we're talking, some, we're talking differently about this movie. You would have had time to work on the kinks out of this movie. Well, you should have well, kept it in December. I, I, I caution saying that that's necessarily the case too, because I think it came down to something else that we like, kind of, kind of wanted to touch upon a little bit. Another article, basically, where the C, the Disney CEO agrees that there shouldn't be more than one star, or that that one Star Wars movie a year, I should say, is maybe a little bit too much. 
And I think that that's part of it too. I think there's a lot of Star Wars fatigue. Nobody asked for this movie, like ASAP said. Listen, but if Solo, if Solo it was, was badly a, reviewed, it was but, a bad movie. But if Solo was a good movie, we're not talking. We're not talking Star Wars fatigue because we have three MCU movies a year. Nobody's talking about super, superhero fatigue with those movies. But I have to ask, and I don't want to see what what uh, Meta thinks because I have to ask: Is that really the the case? Because people before the movie even got reviewed, before they even know what the hell the movie was about, for the most part. Already, we're like, but you had why? So, because you had so much negativity surrounding this movie. No, well, no, I'm well, talking well, about when they announced it, man. Like when they announced it, I well, don't know anybody true. that was like, oh, I want to see, I can't wait to but see this Han Solo. But movie. trust me, if this movie was a good movie, everybody would have gotten to go watch it. Yeah, if the reviews were pretty good, I guess overall. But because so we all kind of day, agree, the three of us. You agree, Walter? You agree, ASAP? That it's not that good. I don't think that it's that good. Meta, what do you think? Let's get your take on this one. Well, you see, my my view is a little changed now, given all of the ideas that have circulated in the room. But me, myself, I, I kind of liked it. I'm not going to lie. Okay. But I think, because I think why you guys are going so crazy about it, and there's nothing wrong with that, is because you guys are more immersed in the original trilogy. Okay. Me, I always liked... The original trilogy, but I always leaned towards five and six. Okay. Those were really my movies. And then the prequels, those were pretty good too. Three was the absolute best. What I liked about this movie, yeah, I liked that Darth Maul came back. Yes, that's disorienting, but it was still pretty cool at the same time. You gotta admit that. It was. Yeah. And the guy who plays him is pretty cool. The new guy that plays him, I think, yeah. is a pretty good choice. And so. What I also want to get into is uh, Walt here actually found a series of tweets that went out by John Kasdan, and it touches on a few oh, yeah. points. Um, for one, one of the points that he made in this series of tweets was the Mimbans uh, sequence. I personally liked that. You know why? Because for all the wars we see in Star Wars, not to, not to like dumb it down, but they're very lighthearted. There's a few pew-pews here, a few pew-pews there, but in that scene right there, you got to see the war in Star Wars, and I enjoyed that dark, gritty take. I think it started off okay. That's not not bad. I I agree, because a lot of the things, when you talk about Star Wars, you're usually talking about dogfights. You're talking about space battles. You've never seen the nitty-gritty, you know, um, the guys down in the trenches. The closest we came was... Well, not even that. Battle of Hoth. Battle of Hoth, yeah. Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back. That that came closest to showing the war, you know, in Star Wars. But that was just a scene, though. Yeah, that's why I think Rogue One maybe. Yeah, but Mimbam was just a scene. No, no, that's what I'm saying about that. In Seoul, that was just a scene, but that should have been more expanded upon. Yeah, that, that, see, guys. That could have been more of the movie, and apparently it might have been if Chris and Phil... Or the the lords, I guess, right? They're they're related. Lord right? Lord and Miller. Lord and Miller. Excuse me. If they had stayed on, apparently they wanted to expand more about that military stuff. But go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So guys, if we develop this relationship a lot more, you're gonna know that I like dark stories. Okay. As do I. And Mimban was just so great visually. I I also like that about that because it wasn't nobody was clean in that scene. Yeah. When we see these battles, they're the stormtroopers have really nice shiny white suits. No, they're broken. 
um, what was it? Uh, yeah, Beckett, charging into battle, yeah. got blown up, basically. Beckett and his crew had to take the armor off of these dead Imperial stormtroopers just to fit in. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and Beckett had holes in his, his armor. Yeah. Solo noticed mm-hmm. that, that helped him figure out that he and wasn't so part of the Empire. That's what I like the most about the Mimban scene. It really immerses you in the war aspect of Star Wars. Not okay. that they didn't already, but that just really drove it home for okay. me. Okay, okay. Well, to, to piggyback off of that, the Mimban scene probably had a lot of different influences. To me, there was like a little bit of Saving Private Ryan in there, which is a movie that I really enjoy, a movie that I really like. A great war movie, one of the best war movies of the modern era, I think. But I think that that, to me, touches on what I think was a big problem with this movie. They were trying to look for inspiration from a million different movies. And if you guys want to look it up, Lawrence Kasdan, he put up a bunch of tweets, uh, as was mentioned earlier. He put a bunch of tweets up on Twitter where he mentions a lot of the influences for Chris Miller and Phil Lord. 52 useless facts, according to that. Yeah, 50 useless, two useless facts, and a lot of the influences for Ron Howard. And it seems like they are pulling from every single damn movie. The Kessel scene, they're talking about how they're pulling from, like, H.P. Lovecraft for the monster that was flying through, like, Listen, that when, area. When, when too many influences. Yeah, it's when too you're many doing, When you're doing a story, when you're writing a story, um, you, you do bring influences from other, other forms of work, other movies, other things that you like. Going back to what Jose says, it seems like you took specific scenes and tried to mold it to make it fit into your movie. Mm-hmm. And you can't do a movie like that because it becomes very disjointed that way. Right. Because then you have one tone here, you have another tone here, you have another scene here that doesn't connect with the other ones. You're just you're just putting in different things. And again, going back to what you said before, this movie was all just a rehash of Easter eggs. Hey. We gotta we gotta talk about the dice. Check. Let's talk about Han Solo's blaster. Check. There was a. The, in, Let's in talk one about of Han Solo's team, last name. Yeah, Han mm-hmm. Solo. Check. We got that. There's part that of the tweets. Worthy. Part of the tweets here was there's a, there's a point where Han goes to Mother Proxima and takes a rock and says, "I have a thermal detonator." Right. Which is a, what? To, uh, it's a uh, callback. Princess Leia. It's a callback to Princess Leia. The way he frames it in this tweet, you've done a disservice to Princess Leia because the the fact when you see Return of the Jedi and you see her bust out that that thermal detonator, you see her and you're like, wow, she's a badass. To pull that off, to have the balls to do that, listen, that Princess Leia, she'll do whatever she takes, what she what she what she can do, right? Here you have Kazan say, well, the reason she did it is because Han Solo told her that he did it once and it worked. You've just minimized that scene. Like, oh, great story, bro. Like, yeah. yeah. You've just minimized that scene because now when you look back at it and you look at Leia's thing, it's not as powerful. It doesn't have as much meaning anymore because now you've already said, well, she didn't come up with it. Han came up with it and told her. Right. So I, I, you're, everything in this movie diminishes everything else that's canon in Star Wars. I, that just that irks me. You know, it, it really, really does. Another thing that was, like, kind of interesting, This is these are kind of, like, I, I can give you, like, more of the two main things that I think were the big problem with this movie. And one of them also is something that I see as kind of a problem in a lot of movies in general. 
why do you get an actress like Tandy Newton? Why do you get a John Favreau? Who, if, if those of you don't know who John Favreau is, he directed the first Iron Man movie. He was uh, even he, in it. He's also. Happy Hogan in, in the Iron Man movies or in the Marvel universe. He basically launched the MCU, which is why he got that role. I'm sure they gave him that as a thanks. But so so again, spoiler alert. Even though we've been spoiling the whole damn thing, she dies very early on in the movie. She's a great actress. She's why, a great actress. And they did that in Rogue One too. You have. Forrest Whitaker, who plays Saw, is it Guerra? Saw Guerrera. Guerrera, excuse me. Saw Guerrera in, in the cartoons, uh, or excuse me, he plays, he plays uh, Saw Guerrera in Rogue One, who's a character from the cartoons, who was a good character from the cartoons. I don't know him as well, but you guys apparently have told me interesting that he's really good. Because and they kill him off. Yeah, and, but it's interesting because that's the first time you see a character from the cartoons come across into the movies. Right, but this is so. something, it seems like it's happening in a lot of places. I mean, another no. example that's random. No, but in more Star tied Wars, to Godzilla, though. which I didn't see the last one. But you had Brian Cranston, who's Walter White in oh, Breaking yeah. Bad. This great actor. The trailer, he narrates it. You think it's going to be him in the whole movie, and what does he die in like the first act? It's like they're wasting yeah. these great actors, maybe because they don't want to pay them for the whole movie. They're putting him in there to draw people in the th- into the theater, and they are wasting their talents entirely. And the other thing that I want to say, sort of. And you the know scene what, that I liked. And you know what's the scene that I just, liked. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I'm I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off, but the worst thing that that was said on this tweet to go to your point about Thandie Noon, he says in retrospect she may have actually been too good and too interesting as Val, which is the problem. They that, could have been a good character that could have carried later on into the movie. Yeah, how is that a good thing that you put this on the tweet? You you actually <laughs> you admit, you actually admit that you wasted an opportunity. Exactly. I, that. That makes no. You're the one that wrote the movie. See, and that that piggybacks perfectly into what I liked best, and also was a missed opportunity for me in the movie, which was our boy Chewie. I actually really, really liked a lot of the story that they told with Chewie. This is the first movie, if you think about it. And there's that part where where it's Solo and the, the team, uh, are I think they're going on the the first mission in Kessel, um, and it's it's Chewie spots other Wookiees like mm-hmm. being like taken prisoner and being enslaved it's the first time you see Chewbacca actually do something that's motivated purely by him in the movies which I think was pretty awesome but and there's a huge but haven't we heard so many times before and I know that he's an individual right and he has his own thoughts and he's, he's you know he's headstrong and he argues with Han Solo but haven't we heard so many times about how strong the Wookiee life debt is that at that point, he's not gonna abandon Han Solo. He's not gonna leave his side. He's gonna protect the guy that saved him even if one of his own kind is being enslaved and hurt. He's not gonna walk away from Han Solo because we've heard how much of a bond that Wookiee life debt is. It's basically the reason they become best friends. So there's that great scene and then they ruin it thematically by by him acting in a way that's not really how he's supposed to act based I mean, on what we've seen before. Chewbacca did go to help his people though. He did. But to me that's not what his character would have done in that moment. Or if he if if he did I mean he would have he would have really, really pushed Han to do it with him. And if Han didn't yeah. want to do it, like I said, Han he saved his life. That's that Wookiee life that it's big, man. You want to make sure that, that guy stays alive. And that's the whole point of the I mean, Wookiee let's life I mean, talk about how he got that bond. Yeah, by, by fighting each other? Like, no, what? not even that. Oh, well. Oh, he spoke Wookiee. 
Absolutely. Oh, that part too, man. Like, was that necessary too? Like, do we have to hear him? No, say but that? I beg to differ about what you said about um, chew, like Chewie in real life. He wouldn't, in actuality, he wouldn't abandon Han to go save his people. I think he still would because look, he wasn't close to Han yet. Their relationship was still developing, mind you. They just met each other. But but you know? I guess what he's trying and to say, he's seeing his people being a slave, Wookie trafficking. Right, so he does. Horrible, I know. Exactly. So, in his heart, of course, out of morality, he would go and help um, his own people. And Han agreed with um, Chewbacca to go go to ahead. Do it, right? right. Well, but that was just Han a, actually this, encouraged him just to separate them for a little bit, so so Chewbacca could come and sweep in at the last second later on and save him. But the interesting right. thing just is, is the way that to separate them. you and I know about the life of death because we we we're versed in legends, and that's where the life that came from. Right, right, because. No, we never knew saved, how it happened until saved, now. Well, according, according to, if I remember but correctly, specifically, how it happened. specifically back then, it was because he saved um, Chewbacca from the Imperials. Right, which is right. what happened in this movie, but I'm just saying that we didn't see the specific scenario. Right, exactly. That's all I'm saying. And so, in this movie, they actually never mentioned the life that he just saved them. Yeah, he just saved him. And so, so I guess you could make... explain that. It could have been yeah. a great scene where Chewbacca explains, like, now I have a debt to you for the rest of my life. That but maybe cool. maybe they, they excluded that on purpose to, to make it so that, you know what, he's not, he doesn't have that strong bond and tie to Han. That they changed Han, it. Yeah, so... They retconned it. it. He's, he's with Han by choice, not because of the life that... So, you know... There, there. You could make the case that the life that in this new canon really doesn't exist, doesn't exist anymore, which is you sad. know, because that was a cool part. Of but I, I, it drives me nuts that I scene when when he was trying to eat Han and the reason that he stops eating him is because he speaks Wookiee. Yeah, you know? well, it's not anymore. Yeah, it, it, that just bothers me. You know? Okay, so all of a sudden we're friends now because you talk. About, I mean, I guess that could kind of. But I just didn't see the motivation for a starving animal to be like, oh, you speak my language, all right, I won't eat you anymore. Like, yeah. sure, whatever. I mean, what do you think? What do you think? Well, I think... I, I kind you like agree with... Did. We're just ripping on it right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of agree with ASAP here that, yeah, he, he just met him. So it would make logical sense that he would want to see his people yeah. enslaved. In, in, in no, he I, wants I to save them. Like I said, we're we're framing this in terms yeah. of the life that which yeah. may or may not exist in this canon. So it clearly does not. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> they just basically tore that out. I have something to say though. And this is backtracking back to what Meta over here was talking about the the Minbenese War, right? That um, you said that whole scene was all dark and gritty, and how we, you would have loved to see more of that. I totally agree with you. But however, you know how I said that. Like we all agree that solo is unnecessary, right? This whole movie was was not necessary yeah. to be made. That scene though, I feel like should have been in Rogue One. That kind of scene should have been in Rogue One. Which Rogue One alone is already awesome. But I think if Rogue One you know how they say Rogue One was very like military war oriented? If Rogue One had that one scene from solo in, in Mimban, it would have made it a whole lot better. It would have made it a lot it fit. It fit perfectly and yeah, it's just it's so Black Hawk Downish and Save Saving Private Ryanish that you know it has that dark and gritty sense to it. Yeah, but definitely. we didn't need that in Solo. We didn't even need Solo to begin with. No. So you know. Not at all. That's Not just that. And um, this go now going again going back earlier to what Walt said. He brought up Kathleen Kennedy. We've been talking about her from time to time now. 
And from what I heard... She is a great producer, I I have to say. I beg to differ. she's, She's been on a number of projects... Maybe this is just not her path. But you know what? She has. She's not immersed in Star Wars. That's Star Wars right. is a whole nother turf. I agree. All right. I and agree. now I just found out yesterday, and I'm bringing it to the table now that Kathleen Kennedy has just extended her deal with Lucasfilm through the year 2021. So that's another three years with her. That means that's in at the least industry. One more trilogy movie, and probably if they do decide to continue any of these uh, Star Wars story movies, which it looks like they're not going to at this point. Maybe one more of those. Well, so but you we'll do see. have you do have the two set of trilogies that they announced already. Which she's probably yeah, that's right. Let me tell you, you something. I love Star Wars. We all love Star Wars. Ice. But I don't see I don't see I hate to say it, but the truth is I don't see a bright future for Star Wars. I think there's still time to reverse with her at the helm, especially going back to what we were talking about, what Jose brought up with a once a Star Wars movie coming out every year. It's too much. I feel like it's there's much. gonna be a burnout. And we love Star Wars, but it's just. I don't want much. Star Wars to end up like the video game franchises, Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed. Which, yeah, Call of Duty, I got fatigued from that years I'm ago. I'm a true Call of Duty fan, and I'm a true Assassin's Creed fan. And a true fan of both franchises knows that both franchises are dead. Yeah, they jumped the shark a long time ago. They definitely. But, but the I don't want that between, to happen with Star Wars, which I feel like is happening right now. The difference between those video game franchises and Star Wars is that those video game franchises. Um, they're pretty much one note. They're shooters, right? So you can't really not Assassin's Creed. Well, Assassin's Creed, but you're still t- kind of telling the same story, right? So um, with the Star Wars, you have more of a chance to kind of expand on it because Solo is basically a western, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Rogue One is basically a war movie, you know. So you have a chance to tell different stories within that universe. So, Jose, you made an, a very interesting point earlier that you thought people might get too fatigued from seeing all these Star Wars right. movies. Even the Disney CEO thought it might be the case. Yeah, but, I mean, it's like Walt said earlier. It really depends on the content. Uh, this is going to be a slight deviation, but all those SPN fans out there, you know what I'm talking about. Supernatural has been going on for a very long time. It's going into its 14th season. It's one of the longest shows running right now, I think. Yeah, and not for nothing, you don't get 14 seasons if no one's watching it. Uh, yeah, that's for, totally true. Same with yeah. Family Guy. So, so we're sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, so really, <laughs> it's all about the content being compelling. Right. As long as they don't, like just butcher the stories or just go completely off topic with subtle references to like a thousand different things, you could definitely pull it off. You're probably right. I just, I think that it just left a bad taste in my mouth that they wanted to make so many of these movies. And I think, I think the thing partially for me, and then I can kind of, that's, that's all I can have to say about that for today, is that if you're going to pick a Star Wars story to tell, excuse me, a Star Wars story to tell. So everybody was cool with Rogue One. We thought that that was a story that was worth telling. Everybody here enjoyed that movie, right? Uh, To different extents, but everybody enjoyed that movie. And then they started talking about all the other different Star Wars stories that were going to come out. And you heard about Obi-Wan Kenobi, and everyone was like, hell yeah, Like I want to see that movie. You hear about Boba Fett, and even though we talked about this personally last week, Boba Fett kind of had his underwhelming end, as we all know. He didn't turn out to be the badass that he was portrayed as. There's still room to make a badass 
you know, Boba Fett movie. There's other characters that people really wanted to see even more. I, I heard some people saying, like, oh, a Palpatine movie might be pretty cool. Oh, hell yeah. But, Ian but Solo, man, like, nobody, again, it feels like nobody was clamoring for this particular one. It feels like the excitement for this one nope. compared to all the other ones was just a little bit lower. So maybe it could have been a good movie to come out eventually. I think maybe it shouldn't have been the second Star Wars story to come out. That's my opinion. And I think it, 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 it came out too close to the bad taste that was Last Jedi. Until a lot of other good movies, like ASAP said, that were coming out at the same time, and like you said, Walter, that were coming out at the same exact time. Yeah. It was it was definitely a mess sense. up on, on the part of Disney. Um, and it looks like they're learning from it. I, I think they're, they've, they're realizing um, their mistakes, which I guess is a positive sign. We you hope. Know? We because, hope. Because, well... Seems like DC was... Realizing their mistakes over the last couple of movies. Only time will happen. tell with what yeah, J.J. Abrams does with episode 9. Yeah. Mm, that, that'll be interesting. That's going to be pretty... <laughs> possibly disjointed. Possibly awesome. We'll see. But something that doesn't seem disjointed... I don't know if you guys want to put a, this, this trailer on because I haven't seen it. But... Uh, speaking of missteps, this doesn't look like it's going to be a Disney misstep. Some game called Vader Immortal that's going to be part of the Vader Darth Vader canon... Apparently oh, it's being boy. released in virtual reality, so I don't know oh. what the heck that's about. You get to like smack people around with Darth Vader force powers. I have no idea. No, you're actually. It seems you're actually playing against Darth Vader, or you're working alongside. Against Darth Vader. Well, okay. we're about to see this trailer right now. We're gonna check it out right now. We're queuing that up, but apparently this game is to be released for VR in 2019. I wonder what systems that's gonna be. Is that gonna be a PC, PlayStation 4? I guess we'll see. Let's throw it on. Official episode teaser trailer. ILM Lab. Oculus Studios. Alright, so there's somebody throwing on a VR headset. Definitely check this out for those of you that are interested. So they're over the planet of Mustafar. Looks like there's a Star Destroyer flying over the planet. Vader's hey, Fortress. That's his castle. Yeah, you can see Vader's castle in this one, so that's pretty cool. Graphically, it looks pretty awesome so far. I don't know if this is just oh, the trailer. Boy. You hear the man himself. The iconic breath. And Vader steps out looking, well, like Vader. At the player. And a pretty good James Earl Jones approximation. Episode one. So wait, you're work. It looks like you're working with Vader, man. Not like you're even against him. I don't know what the hell that is. There's we don't know. Not much to that trailer, but I am intrigued. That looks a little bit like what was that thing that came out? I never tried it, but that Star Wars VR like game that you could buy the headset and buy the fake like lightsaber and duel with characters in it. Yeah. I wonder if that's going to be anything like that because I heard that was a fun experience. Maybe this will expand upon it with some Vader involved. What do you guys think of that? Looks pretty cool. It does look pretty cool, man. I mean, Vader has probably experienced a bit of a resurgence ever since they started bringing Star Wars back around, I think, right? Because they had the Vader comic books that were very popular. Vader had the most awesome Vader scene in the history of Vader in Rogue One. Oh, yeah. Apparently, uh, this, VR, <laughs> this VR game that's coming out is going to be a series. That's why it said Episode 1. Which seems pretty right. Looks like it might awesome. be a trilogy. Yep. According to Walt over here, um, it may may be a trilogy, a Vader, yeah, yeah. a Vader VR trilogy. You don't know much about it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you see over there, Walt? So, checking out checking out TechCrunch, who has a pretty decent little article about it. Um, we have a three part at home experience that launches on the Oculus platform. 
Mm. Um, so it doesn't seem like it's going to hit any any type of consoles being like PlayStation VR and things of that nature. Uh, it looks PC like it's going to be specific to PC, specific to the Oculus brand. Um, it does come out sometime in 2019. And it is an untold story that's going to take place over three episodes. And it's canon. And it's canon. Which is awesome. And it's being written by Dark, the Dark Knight writer, David S. Goyer. Who's written some very, very good movies besides The Dark Knight. So this is some pretty good Can't details. go wrong with that. I guess yeah. they're going to expand on Vader's backstory. Does it have any, do we have any idea what time period this is going to take place in? There's not much. There's not much. Definitely after episode three. What yeah. it is. Um, but... It's interesting, ILM and Oculus reference this at, not as a game, but as a series slash experience. So, hmm. take that for what, it, what it's worth. Um, like it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see. It may be like one of these games, like these Telltale games, um, hmm. where it's more of an interactive story experience. And you make like decisions and whatnot, like what right. would you do? Maybe hmm. quick time events and things of that nature. Right. Don't know what that means. I guess as we get more information, we can pass it along to you guys. Hmm. But it does look interesting. Um, again, but you're going to have to be on the Oculus platform in order to play this game. Or, sorry, series slash experience. This looks like, um, I wonder if it's not going to be a game and if it's going to be something that's more narrative based. There was a movie that came out a few years ago. Uh, that was a VR movie with Reese Witherspoon called Wild that you could watch in VR. I wonder if it's going to be something like that. That might be a pretty awesome experience for a Star Wars film. Might be. be. To be able to look around and experience everything that's that's happening in the background. We always talk about how great the lore is and how great all the background stuff is in Star Wars. If this is a game that really is going to take detail and like throw that detail in the background, that sounds like it could be pretty interesting. Well, this is not the first time that Star Wars has delved into the VR experience because I believe they did have that that um, that short uh, tech demo um, where you had Star Wars Battlefront in VR and it was mostly um, a dogfight, you know, and you would have that experience through the VR. So this is, you know, this is, this is something interesting. Um, I personally, I think the the dogfight stuff with Battlefront, that's something I would love to see. I mean, to be immersed in that. Um, this story, I, I need to see more, but it looks interesting. Hey, and if you can hold a, uh, a lightsaber, like Jedi challenges, yeah. that's what it's called. The AR game that came out, I think, around the holidays, where you had a fake lightsaber, put on a headset. And you oh, yeah, started and you're whacking just cutting at things. Yeah. yeah, you started whacking at people in the room and characters and all that stuff. I must you say, in, like that? I must say, in regards to Star Wars and VR, because that's what we're talking about right now. I went through um this past summer. I w- went to Disneyland in California, right? Mm-hmm. And I went. I experienced this awesome Star Wars VR experience. Oh, really? In Disneyland, we had to put on me and like two other people, right? We had to put on a vest and a headset. And then we're, and then in the head, like looking through the headset, we're infiltrating Mustafar. Oh. We're, in, we're infiltrating a facility on Mustafar as stormtroopers, right? Dressed as stormtroopers. And we're working for the Rebel Alliance. So we had to get these blasters from the armory. And then we could either take the stealth route and act like, you know, we're just normal stormtroopers going okay. about our day, or just go guns blazing 
and you know just start shooting around yeah this place was called star wars secrets of the empire that was the vr experience i went through in california it was such an awesome experience we got to fight vader and uh, let's just say that didn't turn out really well. <laughs> I mean, what can you expect? You guys are missing half the time. But, you know, I'm not going to spoil the entire experience. I mean, if, if y'all haven't experienced it, especially you three over here, you should head over to Disneyland over um, in Cali. It, if you're in Cali, you should if you're check in it out Cali. right now. Exactly. Go right away. And it's such an awesome experience. Secrets of the Empire, right? Right. Well, yep. And if yeah. anything like that, then it's going to be pretty awesome, it sounds like, right? It is freaking dope. Huh, all right. But yeah, that was like the most awesome Star Wars VR experience I ever had thus far. Can't wait to experience it or something like it again. That would be something super interesting to see when it does come out. And it's not too far away. 2019 is right yeah, around the corner. Experience. So that seems pretty good. Speaking yeah. of things not far away, Star Wars Resistance. The trailer that... Do we want to watch it? Comes out Sunday, October 7, 2018. So can you guys give us a little background on this? Because as you know, I'm a little more well-versed in the Star Wars movies. Haven't seen as many of the TV shows. I know I'm a, a heathen for that. Does, do you guys know anything about what this is going to relate to? So this is going to be... The events are going to take place before Force Awakens. Oh, okay. That's, That's pretty That's for sweet. sure. And it's going to follow, what, like a certain cadre of, um, so uh, you know... Guys in like uh, X wings, like these, not not X wings, but they're just like racers. Yeah, but um, it's like pod racers. Not pod no. racers, but uh, <laughs> they're basically ace pilots. Okay. Yeah, huh. and they do like these racing circuits and whatnot. They're just a bunch of kids, uh, by the looks of it, right? Yeah. Who um, so they're like piloting their T nineteens and taking out Womp Rants in the desert, that kind of thing. Yeah, but then. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think what is it? Poe drafts them into the resistance. The resistance, and they start going head to head with the first order. And so this is so this is like a leading into setup yeah for setup huh. for Force Awakens. Okay, do we have that trailer ready to go? Yes, we do. All right, let's see it. So for those of you who can't obviously watch a trailer with us right now, look it up on YouTube. It's called the Extended Sneak Peek for Resistance. Star Wars Resistance. Yeah, this does kind of look like they're like they're racing through rings and stuff like that. It looks that. it looks quite kiddish and cheesy, of course, but um, which doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be bad. Exactly. Star Wars Rebels, and right. it does have but, an uh, anime feel to it. Oh, there's Poe Dameron. But you know what? Like him. Is it's, that him? Yeah, it's it's Oscar Isaac. Wow. But you know, what? it's Star Wars, and us Star Wars fans have to watch it, especially if it's canon. I have to see if the whole cast is here. That's a very Rogue One-esque situation. Yeah. It so, does appear, though, that they did say that this was a bent toward more of the younger generation. But, well, like ASAP Balrog said, if it's Star Wars, we're watching it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm looking at the cast over here. Actually, I don't see... Oh my I think God. these are people doing really good impressions, man, because it says, I don't know who Christopher Sean is, I don't know who Bobby Moynihan is, that's the guy from Saturday Night Live, apparently he's a cast member, Donald Faison from uh, Scrubs fame is in it, I don't know who Scott Lawrence, Josh Brenner, Rachel Butera, Jim Rash, or Susie McGrath are, but they round out the cast for this. Oh, man. So it looks comedic, the animation looks cool, like... It looks energetic. It's very flashy. Uh, it looks kind of like that cell shaded animation look, right? Mm -hmm. A little bit of anime. <laughs> Star Killer Base. Star Killer Base is here. 
And Princess Leia. General Organa. That really yeah. does sound like Harry Fisher, man. Why does it not wow. say that in the cast over here? It does. I gotta look this up again. Yeah, the... Uh, the voice, voice actor for Leia Organa is Rachel Butera. Oh, okay. So that's the one that, look, that I see here. I'm just like... Yeah, I don't think there's any people from the movies. I really doubted it. But either way, they sound really good. The action looks fun. <laughs> the only thing that's really interesting to me so far in this trailer is Starkiller Base and First Order. Other than that, I'm not that impressed with what I see. It definitely has a kiddie feel, but it's got a good energy But of course, it. I'm still going to watch this and keep <laughs> yeah, up with they're it. They're running like... If only I could feel that feeling as well, but I don't. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, it says comes out Sunday, October 7, 2018. So that's yep. literally about a week and a day away. And so the official synopsis for the for the show is it's a series that's set decades after Return the events of Return of the Jedi and 6 months before the events of Force Awakens. And it follows Kasuda Izono, a pilot who is recruited into resistance into the resistance to spy on the growing threat of the First Order. So, um, it, it looks like it's, it's one of these spy-ish type, type things. Yeah, a lot like how the intro to Rogue One was. Mm-hmm. So, it'll be, an, it'll be an interesting thing. Although, Rogue One was a lot more adult-oriented. Yeah, okay, this well, one, yeah. This one, they have already said it's, it's more young, young-oriented for the, for the kids. But, you know... Hey, we'll give it a shot. We'll see how it looks. It looks pretty good to me. I mean, I like I said, I haven't been much into the shows. There's a lot of stuff that I got to catch up on there. But I mean, who knows? Like you said, that Rebels was started with like a little bit more of a kiddie vibe, right? Is that correct? And it just and ended up being a, a good show. Was a, oh yeah, there was a lot of mythology in in, in that show, and it, it did a it did a really good job of world building um, within the Star Wars universe, which. You know, when, when Star Wars is at its best, it's when it's world building and building on the mythology I was gonna say the that, same thing. that exists. That's when Star Wars really shines. That's, that's actually a good point, and that's probably why that's, we can take that to another topic, too, and say that's why I like The Last Jedi, too, because The Last Jedi didn't, didn't allow itself to become what Solo fell into. Going back to that for a moment, where it... it only tried to flesh out the mythology of one character. I think that's another feeling of Solo. This looks like it's trying to flesh out the mythology of what the heck happened to get to the point where you are in The Force Awakens. And that can't be a bad thing. I think Star Wars, like you said, does really, really well when it fleshes out all the stuff in between. Rogue One did well. You guys said Rebels is very good. Those shows that flesh out the mythology of what happened to characters like Darth Maul. That seems like it works. So I guess we'll see if this works out too. And, and it's funny because you look at Solo for what it is and... We, we did say before, it is a movie that exists solely to be a, an Easter egg. But you see what Rogue One did, which essentially w was trying to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. But they did it differently, and it worked. Yeah. You good. know, they, they took pre-existing canon and really fleshed it out and really, really did a good job not feeling that those Easter eggs were forced. It was very organic in the way that they, they went through it. Where Solo was very heavy-handed with that stuff. Yeah, maybe in the end it's basically, and I don't know what you, what what you think ASAP or what you think Meta, but 
maybe basically, I know, I know, and Meta, I know you liked Solo more than we did, but maybe basically the failing for the rest of us is that Solo had a lot of, a lot of details to work with that they shoehorned in, whereas Rogue One really didn't have any details to work on. They were just the guys who stole the plans for the Death Star, and they just filled in all the blanks. Maybe having that room outside of what already existed in Star Wars canon is what made it work. It actually took a thing from New Hope and explained it extremely well. And that being that one little thing that enabled the, the Rebellion to destroy the, the, the Death Star. Um, the, uh, what is it, the exhaust? Yeah, the... The, the, the exhaust port. The, the exhaust exposed port. exhaust port. And Rogue One... Thank took, you, Galen. ...took that <laughs> one piece, which, you know, not a big deal. A lot of people thought, well, you know, that's the only thing that you, you, can, you can do to blow up the Death Star. And they explained it so well in Rogue One. I mean, you literally had the architect of the Death Star realizing that he was building a weapon that could potentially wipe out billions and decided, you know what? I'm going to leave a little back door just in case. That makes sense, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and you look at the, uh, the scene in New Hope where they show Darth Vader in the, um, the meeting room with the, other, with the other officers and Moff Tarkin, the empty chair... Which is explained that... That's a big Easter egg right there. Mm -hmm. That was that was Director Krennic's chair. But, well, he was pretty dead, so... Died on Scarif, and so... Oh, spoiler! He didn't deserve know. that. He didn't they deserve took, that. They took little itty-bitty things and flushed it out. And, you know, that's the difference between the two films. Hopefully we'll see. That's what can make Resistance as awesome as it can be. So, we hope that uh, you enjoyed our discussion of all things Star Wars, comic book, fashion, genre, Disney, Vader, and whatever else we have in terms of strengths and weaknesses of crap to talk about. This concludes part two of episode one of the Pop Culture Over Pizza podcast. P-Cop. P-Sop. Find us on Twitter at P-C-O-P podcast. That's at Peacop Podcast, P-C-O-P Podcast. Check us out on Twitter. Send us some feedback. Check us out on Anchor. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear about. Tell us what sucked. Tell us what worked. And we'll adjust and see if you guys enjoy more of our content in the future. I'm Jose, signing off. The Metatron bids the adieu. ASAP Balrog, long live Sauron. And as always, this is Walter. And may the force be with you. Peace.